Our text this morning comes from Psalm 23, verse 1a. Very short statement. The Lord is my shepherd. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in this service, we want to give our attention to Psalm 23. This is probably the best known and best loved psalm of the Bible, but no congregation that it takes a lifetime to apply this psalm to our lives. Indeed, the more I study this psalm, the more I discovered that Psalm 23 contains a foundational truth of God's word, which must form the biblical basis of our everyday life. The truth is that we seek our own human basis and comforts in this life, but that is really sheepish. What we learn from Psalm 23, that's what we learn from Psalm 23. But first and foremost, we learn that the Lord, as the shepherd, takes care of us in all circumstances. He knows who we are. Yes, Psalm 23 shows us who our Lord is, and it shows us who we are. And it also shows which blessings we receive. This brings us to our theme. The Lord is my shepherd. From this close relationship between the Lord and us, we will see, firstly, who the Lord is. He's the good shepherd. Secondly, who we are, the sheep. And third, which blessings flow from the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So first of all, who does David refer to when he says the Lord? Who is the Lord? That is an important question. Who is the Lord God we worship and confess? And what is his name? Well, the Lord is, first and foremost, he who reveals himself in the Bible as the creator of all things. The Lord has made all things, and therefore he owns all things. The Bible shows us that the Lord is as the sovereign God, and this means that the Lord has absolute control over all things. The Lord is not dependent on anything or anyone. He is a fullness and completeness in himself. The God of the Bible reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is the God... God the Father is, the God, is God, the author, and the originator of all that exists. It was in his mind that all took shape. And when we look at the stars at night, when we consider all the complexities of life on earth, then we see the greatness of God the Father as the architect of our planet and the whole universe. God the Son is God's love, by whom all things are preserved and through whom all things continue to exist. In person... He is God's wisdom and word, who was born into our human flesh to stop all evil. Every word of God witnesses to the love of God, the Son, who preserves and protects God's people. God the Spirit is God's agent who gives form and shape to everything. He is actually the worker of all things. Every newborn child, every believing person, every new summer season is the work of God the Spirit. You know, God's word is a beautiful revelation of the works of the God triune. Behind all we read in the Bible is God's fatherly care and faithfulness, his immensely great love in his son, and his immeasurably great power through his spirit. By this divine care, love, and power, all things are possible. The Holy Bible is the revelation of this triune God as our Lord. He is our maker, he is our savior, and he is our strength and help. 
Now, to whom is this divine revelation given? God's word is addressed to man. And although God is a fullness of relationships in himself, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he made another relationship, a covenant. He created man, and man is his friend. And as his friend, God gave man all that he had made in possession. All things were under man's dominion. All things were subject to man. Man received wonderful gifts for managing God's world. Man possessed wisdom, insight, honesty, perfection, and a glorious position. As a dependent agent of God, man had to direct all things to the praise of God. In this state of uprightness in paradise, man did not need to be led. Man was a celebrated leader of all creatures. However, something terrible happened with the beautiful relationship between God and man. An evil advisor recommended to the friend of God that an independent position from God would be much more beneficial to man. And the unbelievable thing happened. Man took the misconstrued advice of the devil, and man broke his friendship with God. In paradise, man disobeyed his maker. Man became a sinner. He turned away from God. Now he was opposing God. Being on the side of the devil, he was not God's friend anymore, but his enemy. But what is God's revelation in this changed relationship? Did the Lord change too? No. The Lord is God and he remains God. He continues to show that he is the triune God. He remains faithful to all that he started. That is also the meaning of his name. He is the Lord. This is not only the name that speaks of his mighty works of creation, it is also the name that speaks of God in relation to men as sinners. He is their judge, punishing them for, because of their evil, leading, leaving them on paths of unrighteousness, which leads to death. But the name Lord speaks of something more. This concerns the amazing truth of the Bible. The name Lord speaks of God in relation to men who are sinners, but who have come under his saving grace. This is the good news of the Bible. Not all sinful men are judged and condemned. God is gracious and merciful to his people, to Noah, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, redeeming his people from all evil and oppression. He leads them from all evil paths of unrighteousness. These are paths unto life. Now, why does this happen? In verse 3, we read that God is doing this for his name's sake. In other words, God is the Lord. So what does that God's name proclaim in connection with his people? It's this. God does not want his relationship with them to be broken. Therefore, since they're fallen to sin, people are not capable anymore to guide, to lead, and to help themselves. God is now doing it all for them. Indeed, God maintains his relationship with his people as being the true shepherd to them. And as a shepherd, he led Abraham away from the dangers of idolatry. As a shepherd, he cared for the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He delivered Israel from evil bondage. He brought them into the grassy meadows of the promised land. He fought against their enemies. From the New Testament, we know who the shepherd of the Old Testament the shepherd of Psalm 23 is. It is the clear message of the gospel, especially as we just read in John 10. 
In this passage, which we read, Jesus Christ claims of himself, I am the good shepherd. Here, he identifies himself with the shepherd of the Old Testament. This can only mean one thing. He is our divine savior. For there was only one good. There was only one shepherd. There was only one who had the right to the title, the good shepherd. And it was, and still is, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. For he bought us with his precious blood and leads us into blessed ways of righteousness. His leading characteristic as the good shepherd is this, that he gives his life, he lays it down, a sacrifice for the sheep. In our last point, we will look at the blessings we receive from the shepherd in more detail. But now that we've seen who our shepherd is, we must now know who we ourselves are. Well, when Jesus is the shepherd, then his followers are his sheep. What do you think of this characterization? That the Bible identifies God's people with sheep. Do you like that? Is it appropriate for God's people to be painted as sheep? Does this imagery give you idyllic or romantic feelings, thinking of sheep that are carefully led by the shepherd from one place to another? Now, beloved, the Bible doesn't speak about sheep in idyllic ways. We must connect this imagery with the fall into sin, which we already spoke about. The psalmist confesses in Psalm 119, verse 176, I have gone astray like a, like a lost sheep. The prophet Isaiah says something similar in chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each every one to his own way. In many other places in the Bible, uh, points to God's people as lost and wandering sheep scattered all over the place. Now what are sheep? Sheep can't help themselves in any respect. In a sense, sheep are the dumbest of all domesticated animals, as I've read somewhere. They cannot find their own pasture and water unless it is right under their nose. And then, if they're not watched, they will eat or drink themselves to death. Sheep cannot have their young by themselves. They will not seek shelter in a blizzard, though the shelter be within 20 feet of them. Sheep panic easily at unexpected noises and will sometimes rush off to destruction if they're not watched. They will foolishly wander away from the flock if they're not kept close by by the shepherd, even though they are totally unable to cope with the dangers of the mountains, cliffs, ravines, and the wild animals. Sheep don't know what is good or bad for them. If they see a comfortable hollow place, they lie themselves down there. However, then they become cast, as it is called in shepherding's terms. Because of their weight, they cannot roll themselves back up and get up again. Someone else must set them back on their feet. So, sheep must constantly be watched and cared for. Now, what do we think of the fact that the Bible compares us with sheep who don't know their own good, who are the most helpless? It certainly isn't flattering for us, is it? But how true the comparison is. We have such a stupid nature like sheep. We cannot help ourselves. We always look for the greener grass over the fence. We like to wander off to dangerous places. We like the comfortable spots of life. From ourselves, we don't know our own good. 
In short, we are in need of someone who has endless patience, one who will not be annoyed under the trouble and the grief that the sheep cause him, one who is willing to forgo his own life for the welfare of his sheep and who will provide for the sheep all their needs. No man can do this. It takes a man who loves the sheep, not because they're such lovable creatures, for quite often it's quite the contrary, but simply but because he loves them. And this is what Christ, the good and great shepherd, did and does for his people, whom he bought with his own precious blood. He is our Lord Jesus, the good shepherd. That brings us to our third point. Finally, which blessings do we receive for our relationship with the Good Shepherd? Well, we receive the blessings of all of his love and his care that is recounted in Psalm 23. David, as being a shepherd boy, would have fully understood what this caring and providing for sheep was all about. In his psalm, he takes us with him from the home farm ranch where every need was so carefully supplied by the owner, out into green pastures, along still waters, up through the mountain valleys to the high mountain plateaus, that is, the tablelands of summer. So along the way, there were hills, ravines, and streams to cross, but the shepherd knew the right paths and fords to take. He avoided certain dangerous ones and others that led nowhere. Purposely, he led them to grassy meadows and still waters where the sheep could nourish and refresh themselves to their heart's content. There they laid down. That's, the lying down, something that we, what sheep, are only doing when they're satisfied and feel safe. When sheep are disturbed and chased by a fox or a dog, not being aware of the presence of the shepherd, then they are greatly distressed and fearful. But the moment they hear the whistle of the shepherd, when they sense that the watching eye of the shepherd is upon them, they calm down, for they know themselves safe in the presence of the shepherd. This is the peace for, who, for those who confess the Lord to be their shepherd. They have this blessed certainty, the good shepherd cares. He also restores me. He preserves me against all the dangers and evils, and when I am down, cast, he will lift me up. Even, he even makes sure that when I do not walk away from him, he is doing that with his rod and his staff. With the rod, the shepherd beats off wild animals, and with the crook of his staff, he re redirects the stray ones. The rod and the staff stand for the loving leadership and discipline of the shepherd. Rod and staff keep the sheep within the safety of the shepherd and his flock. The shepherd protects us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can be at peace, for the Lord is with us. In a dark, dangerous, and destructive world, he sustains and keeps us always. In all circumstances, in most cases, we aren't even aware of what he does. Why are we protected? How are we kept? We read that wherever we go, goodness and mercy follow us. See, God preserves. He does not let us stumble or being attacked to our death. He anoints our head with oil. 
In shepherding, this happens to keep away flies, the nasty enemies to the sheep. The oil would heal wounds. It was poured all over the sheep's head because flies attack a sheep not through their thick wool, but all around their head. And they are very bothersome to them. You anoint my head with oil. This applies to the Holy Spirit. It is the safekeeping of God in the anointing and blessing of the Holy Spirit that preserves us. And that happens abundantly. The cup runs over through the multiplied grace of our Lord. Every week, every day, again and again, all the days of our life. For it is true, as the psalm concludes, those who live in the comforting presence and relationship of the Lord shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The bond with the good shepherd will never be broken. What blessings we receive from the intense care of the Lord. Beloved, what phrase did I skip so far? The words that immediately follow our text. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. On purpose, I left that phrase for the end. Take note what the Bible says here. It does, not, does it say, the Lord is my shepherd because I'm not in want? Here we touch on our difficulty, with which we have to struggle all of our lives. We often make an improper use of this psalm, for it is our inclination to place the emphasis first on ourselves and our own circumstances. Then we read, the Lord is my shepherd because I am not in want. The Lord is my shepherd because my needs must be met. However, where does the Bible place the emphasis? Not on me, not on man, but on the Lord. Psalm 23 is a beautiful confession about the undeserved love and grace of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore, in, for example, in all circumstances and at all times, I shall not be in want. Beloved, it indeed takes a lifetime to confess this truth to the full 100%. For isn't it true that most of the time we lead a discontent, a frustrated and confused life? Aren't we often straying, getting lost? We really must be compared with sheep. What a blessing it is then that we have Christ Jesus as our good shepherd. His rod, his staff comfort us. With all his care and blessings, we indeed have no want whatsoever. For the Lord is my shepherd. Amen.